dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. Almost as big as the undertaking of a PhD is the application process towards one. In my view, the process doesn't start when you begin the online form of your chosen institution, but months, possibly years earlier. Developing the kind of strong PhD application necessary, not just to get into top institutions, but also to get funding, takes a lot of planning and a lot of forethought. It pays to start early. Having applied to a number of programs when I started my own journey back in 2019, and having sat on the Graduate Studies Committee overseeing the application process at Oxford, this article is my attempt to condense what I have come to understand makes for the most compelling PhD candidates and the advice I typically give to aspiring students. This article is all about developing the qualities and qualifications you might need to even apply for a PhD in the first place, how to find a lab and a supervisor, and how to go through the actual application process will be topics for future articles. First, know thyself. This sounds cliched, but ancient wisdom nevertheless bears weight. A PhD will take you at least three years, maybe four or more. You're going to spend almost all of your time for these years reading about, writing about, talking about, thinking about, and working on one thing. You're going to go in deeper than anyone has before. You'd best be doing it on something you actually enjoy and find interesting. It's also, to be frank, a rare and cool opportunity in life to be able to spend so much time and to go so into depth on a topic of your own choosing. It's thus really important to take some time to actually think about what topics really resonate with you and what things you really care about. Don't waste this opportunity. This is important both for your own motivation, but also because a clear sense of purpose will help clarify your application. It's easy to tell when someone is deeply and truly passionate about something, which, to an examiner board, is a good sign that if they admit you into their program, you're going to stick it out. Beyond the broad topic area, if you're reading this, you're probably interested in dementia research, but it hasn't, doesn't have to be that. You need to find a good question. A good question isn't just novel and scientifically interesting. It's one that kind of annoys you. One that you keep coming back to, that keeps nagging in the back of your mind and has you always going, but why? A mixture of curiosity about the question and frustration at the lack of current answers is a good indication that you've struck gold. It tells you that the question is important, that it'll matter to other people if you can shed some light on it, but also tells you that you have to drive to go figure it out. This is all stuff you would figure out in the obvious ways. Read widely. Books, papers, blogs, journal articles and op-eds, review papers, and so on, all typically discuss open questions in the field at some point. Go to talks. In-person is great, but there are also plenty on YouTube and some online conferences are free for students. Talk to people in person is also super helpful. Ask speakers, lecturers, tutors, family, friends, anyone really to get a sense of what they think the big questions are and what questions you might find interesting. You can also look at university websites and PhD postings to get a sense of what's out there, what research people are doing, and what resonates. It's also useful in this process to volunteer for different things related to your interest. This not only helps to explore your interests and get to know yourself, but it also gives you extracurriculars that you can use to demonstrate your interest for the topic beyond the academics. Maybe you can take part in a, in a stall at a science fair. Maybe you can write a blog or make videos. Maybe you can volunteer in a hospital or care centre. All of these things help you to engage with and express your interests, 
learn more about yourself, and meet people who can help guide you through the process too, while demonstrating your broader passion and commitment to the topic. This is sometimes just as important as the academic aspects of your application, so don't overlook it. It probably goes without saying, this thought process needs to start well before you actually begin applying, though hopefully this is likely a useful process even if you're not planning to do a PhD. Nevertheless, when it comes to applying for a PhD, the first question at every stage will be, why do you want to do this? So it's worth having a clear sense of an answer. Experience is invaluable. It's another unfair cliche that to get a job, you need experience, but to get experience, you need to get a job. You don't need to have done a PhD to get a PhD, but having some research experience under your belt is extremely useful, I would argue essential, and not just because many PhD programs require it. Firstly, this is essential for you. You should know what you're getting into before you apply for a PhD. It's going to be a long slog, so it's better to find out if research is something you actually enjoy or if you'd rather do something else before you go through the whole ring and roll of applying and attempting a PhD. Think of it as a try before you buy. There are many possibilities here. Consider volunteering for a research group, asking a lecturer or a tutor if they have anything you assist with, or know of any openings is a good place to start. Undertaking research projects as part of your undergraduate degree if possible, doing an honours research program or a diploma, or a master's program that includes research, an internship in a research position, or getting a job as a research assistant are just some ideas. Some are obviously more involved than others, but all amount to the same useful outcomes beyond just proving to yourself that research is something you really might actually want to do for three or more years. Experience is essential for skill development. When it comes to applying for PhDs, obviously your grades matter, and they need to be decent. Most candidates, however, will have a good academic track record, and while indicative of persistence and learning, Academic grades don't necessarily reflect all the practical research skills needed for a PhD. These include time and project management, designing and planning experiments, troubleshooting and problem solving, searching for and synthesizing literature information, working independently and in teams, writing and presenting ideas, managing disappointment and failure, and technical skills around performing experiments like cell culture, bedding, data analysis, performing interviews, stats, and so on. Sure, you could argue that many of these skills can be learned to some extent in an undergraduate degree, but it's far easier and more convincing to demonstrate these skills through research experience. Moreover, it shows you have an enduring interest in actually doing research and something of a proven track record. You don't have to be an expert in all these skills. Indeed, you're not expected to be. These are the kinds of things you'll learn in a PhD itself. But having some basis in these rather starting from scratch makes you a far more compelling candidate for someone deciding if they want to take you on or not. I suspect that if you had a spottier academic track record, having a strong set of research experiences you could attest to could make up for this and would account for far more. Hands-on experience will also help give you a better understanding of what techniques you enjoy, what you want to learn more about, and what gaps exist in the research. What models need to be developed to, answer, to better answer questions, what direction the field is heading in, and what topics are of interest. This on-the-ground knowledge can be particularly helpful when coming to developing a project proposal, where you need a clear rationale for the question you're asking, a justification for its novelty and importance, and an achievable plan for answering it. It can also give you a better sense of who is doing research in your area, 
whose research you have respect for and whom you might want to work for and who has a bad reputation and is better to avoid. Further benefits of research experience, mentorship. Another outcome of research experience is mentors who can learn references for you. Mentors don't just have to be your boss or supervisor or PI. They can be other senior students, current PhD students, postdocs, and other people in general whom you'd reach in the process of getting research experience who are further along the path than you and can offer guidance. Not only will you get to see something of their own experience and journey and day-to-day realities of research and get a sense of whether it's something you want for yourself, but they will also come to know you better too. From this position, such mentors can give you advice on skills you should consider developing that would make you a more compelling candidate, areas you need to improve on and how to do so, how to develop your interests and work out what questions are interesting and worth asking, and advocate for you and help you get opportunities to present and publish your research. They can also help with networking, pointing out opportunities, and broadly help you orientate yourself in the world of research and figure out how you might best fit in. Beyond general guidance that mentors can give, though, referee statements are a crucial make-or-break part of any application, but often overlooked, especially because they need to come from someone who knows you well and can speak to your interests, skills, personality, and motivation from a position of authority. This means that you must have known them for a long time and had a working relationship with them, minimum several months, ideally a year or more. The longer the better. This, of course, means you should be thinking about this far in advance. There is a big difference between a reference statement from a lecturer or a tutor who can write a paragraph or two on what a good student you were and how exemplary your grades were, with maybe an anecdote about an interaction you had in class, versus a reference statement from a mentor who fully believes in you and supports you, can write several pages attesting to your achievements, your soft skills, anecdotes about your persistence and ability to independently problem-solve, what you're like to work with, and more. It's undeniably helpful if your referee is an authority figure in the field, known and respected, or someone who will put your name out directly. However, it's vastly more important that they know you. What you like to work with as a person is one of the most important soft factors that a supervisor in the future will want to know about you, and it's one of the hardest things to read into in a CV or application letter. Will you be a good fit for the research group? The reference statement is an important way of demonstrating this. Bonus benefits of research experience. Beyond exposure to the research environment, development of practical skills and mentorship. Spending some time getting research experience can bring more benefits that help to round out a strong PhD application. Notably, these are embellishments such as presentations, prizes, or papers, which are not essential, but nonetheless extremely helpful and help you stand out among candidates, especially in competitions for funding. Giving a talk as a junior researcher would be cool but unusual, though even being able to attest to giving presentations of your work at lab meetings would be a useful experience. You should hopefully, however, still have opportunities to present things like posters, even if it's only for a local or student-run meeting. Getting your name on a paper, especially as a first author, is substantially more effort and means you need to have made significant and or original contributions to the work, which if nothing else takes time. Given this, having publications as part of your application, while not essential, is looked upon extremely highly and again speaks to a track record of achievements and competence in research that can be expected to continue as part of a PhD.
Prizes are, of course, hard to come across by design, but giving yourself as many opportunities to win awards, be they academic awards, scholarships, research prizes, awards for best poster or image, or talk at a meeting, or essay prizes, by putting yourself into the running for them can yield a valuable experience and a track record as a testament in itself. Other elements of the academic lifestyle, such as successful grant applications or teaching experience, are also nice to have in demonstrating broad interest, career aspirations, and a record of success. These aspects of an application are not all essential. Many people get onto PhD programs without having publications, and few would have significant prizes. However, without any of these embellishments to round out an application and make it stand out, it may be hard to get into the more competitive programs and may be hard to win funding. The point of this article has been to try and discuss things you should consider thinking about and doing well before getting to the stage of actually applying for a PhD. A typical application will involve a personal statement, a research proposal, and a CV, along with referee statements and interviews should you reach that stage. In all these aspects, especially when applying for competitive places or funding schemes, it's useful that you have the following. One, a clear sense of who you are and why you want to do this project or a project on this topic. Two, a good academic track record as well as a good research track record with examples of you developing both academic knowledge and practical research skills and examples of your broad interest in and passion for science broadly if not the topic you've chosen. Three, mentors who can help advise you through this process, guide your career thoughts, and write a compelling reference statement for you. Four, CV embellishments such as prizes or publications that demonstrate outstanding achievements and competence. Are all these essential? No, but they are all useful for demonstrating that you have what it takes to do a PhD, and maybe more important depending on where you're applying, especially if you want funding. You shouldn't have to have done a PhD to be able to successfully apply for a PhD, but nonetheless, assessing boards and funding bodies are looking for candidates who will have the highest chance of success and the most potential. This means showing them that you have the passion and motivation to carry out the work and the skills and experience necessary to achieve it. The groundwork for being able to do this successfully all happens in the years before you apply. All that achieved, the next question is, how to find and select a group and a supervisor to do a PhD with. More on that next time. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.